and welcome to Inspiring Women Leaders, the podcast about leadership by women only, from which everyone can learn. Inspiring Women Leaders aims to showcase the extensive leadership knowledge and practical skills of its incredible guests, and to both inspire and educate its listeners, helping them acquire the know-how necessary to become better leaders themselves. Without further ado, I'd now like to welcome my guest. So please, sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of Inspiring Women Leaders. Hello and welcome to another episode of Inspiring Women Leaders. Today, I'm really excited to welcome to the show Jessica Slewerski. Driven by the unshakable commitment to ensuring every student in America is given the right to read on time, Jessica Slewerski is the founder of Ignite Reading, a one-on-one virtual tutoring program delivered in schools across the US. To reimagine how students are taught to read in school, Jessica launched Ignite Reading during her time as CEO of Open Up Resources, a national nonprofit that increases equity in education by making high-quality curricula openly accessible to schools and districts. She began her career with Teach for America in New York City before becoming a founding teacher, then assistant principal at Success Academy Charter Schools. Bringing instructional best practices to district schools, she became a literacy specialist at the Urban Assembly, a nonprofit overseeing more than 10,000 students in secondary schools. Previously, Jessica co-founded the adaptive literacy software company, LightSail Education. So without further ado, let's meet Jessica Slewerski. Welcome to the show, Jessica. Thank you so much for agreeing to come on and speak to the show's audience. Good morning. Well, good evening for you. Good, good, good morning. morning. Good afternoon for me. It's it's <laughs> it's all good. It's not too late. Thank you so much for for coming on. I'm I'm really, really pleased and um and excited to to have you on. Um, let's let's start with um in in your own words, kind of talking uh, talking about yourself a bit more. Um, obviously, I, I read out your bio, which is beautifully uh, beautifully crafted. But in your own words, um, can you tell the audience a bit more about what your current work roles are, what leadership positions you currently hold or have held in the past, please. So I started my career as a classroom teacher and never ever could I have imagined when I was a baby teacher that I would 15 years later become CEO of an educational publishing company or that I would then go on to build my own company that is fully focused upon teaching kids to read, which I feel so strongly is my life's purpose. And it is the thing I'm most passionate about besides trying to be a really good mom to um, my own tiny human Penelope. But I think that my leadership journey started from a place of me being the kind of person who sees a problem and I can't help but begin to obsess about how to fix the problem because I feel so indignant that it's even a problem in the first place. And in my very first week of my first year of teaching in New York City, I was a fifth grade teacher in the Bronx And I very quickly saw that so many of the students in my classroom still did not know how to read. And I came into teaching from like a non-traditional pathway. I I studied political science. I thought I was going to be a lawyer. And then I heard about this Teach for America program where you teach for two years and then you go off and you do what you had originally planned to do, but you carry this experience of being a teacher with you into any of your next uh, opportunities, right? Yeah. Um, But in my case, when my eyes were wide open to how deeply inequitable the American education system is, I was like, this is so messed up. Mm. This is not okay. And I'm going to stay in education and I'm going to somehow find a way to fix this. Like that was the, the intentionality that I set. And my goal was never to have these big titles and and big leadership jobs. I've always been focused upon impact. And then I've always said yes to opportunities. And so Mm. 
I, in my third year of teaching, went to a different school in Harlem where I just so happened to be given and trained in an evidence-based foundational reading skills curriculum. And that's when I finally, three years in, learned to teach kids to read. And I was teaching first grade at the time. And I saw as I taught my students to read that, yes, it is a science. There is a very specific way to teach the brain to read. And it is not rocket science. And from there, I was then a couple of years later offered a job as a assistant principal. And I was like, well, I've never done that before, but okay. <laughs> so yeah. I did that. Um, and, and then I started coaching principals across New York City. And then I was approached by an entrepreneur who had an idea for a literacy application he wanted to design, but he was not a pedagogue. And he asked me to consult for him. And so I started spending nights and weekends building light sail. And in doing so, it was always just sort of like me hungrily pursuing the next opportunity to have greater impact, particularly in the realm of literacy. And each opportunity that I went after just kind of kept leading to the next thing. And in the meantime, I amassed this like unicorn skill set that has enabled me at this stage of my career to be maximally impactful and deeply knowledgeable about the work that I'm leading. Wow. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> Thank you so much for that. I, uh, that really, um, you know, has evoked um, a lot of kind of visions and emotion for me more, more so than your uh, than your bio did that's uh that's a that's a tremendous story um I love that you kind of you know went off to to teach for you know a couple of years at most and you just got kind of hooked on it and you sounds like you know um the Bronx and Harlem I mean I've, I've been to New York a, a few times and you know they are um challenging districts uh so you're working with some really you know underprivileged and deprived kids with all sorts of trauma and, and so on, I guess. Um, and then your, your kind of your passion and your purpose uh, kind of came out of um, working with these kids who, who weren't able to read at presumably quite an advanced age. Um, so, yeah, and that's something, yeah. something I'll add to what you just said mm. is that because I had this experience early on in my career, in my third year of learning to teach kids to read and, and seeing that there's nothing wrong with kids, right? The reason that they're not learning to read is not because they are incapable or broken yeah. in some way, right? We, uh, as a nation in America, have a lot of tropes around why kids don't learn to read. Poverty is blamed, uh, them being multilingual learners or, um, you know, trauma will be blamed. Uh, the parents will be blamed. There are so many mm. excuses, but it, what it ultimately comes down to, and I learned this at such a formative stage in my career, it comes down to equitable access and having mm. a highly trained teacher who is empowered with an evidence-based mm. program is the key to every child being able to learn to read. And if they don't learn to read, they can't fully access everything else taught in school because learning to read is the operating system of education. And if you cannot read, you simply cannot learn. Yeah. Yeah. No, thank you. Thank you for that. And um yeah, my um my my ignorance there kind of um um making some some assumptions. I mean um as a as a family physician back in the back in the day I worked in some um quite deprived areas um and uh and and that I mean a, a lot of the patients did have challenges and they had um you know uh, traumas to 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 speak of uh be it domestic violence or substances and things like that but uh you're right the the part of the cause of their um ill health um was a lack of equitable health resources in lower socioeconomic areas so yeah no i i i appreciate you you explaining that thank you um and you know that's that's more positive isn't it because as you say if you can get equitable 
um, evidence-based resources in place for all children, then all children are capable. So, yeah, great, great vision, great passion, um, purpose, and, and and vision. I love it. Um, I'm really grateful for this. Um, so, you know, you kind of you, it sounds like you 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 started off working with um, that the entrepreneur that you mentioned um, on the uh, the software, the literacy software. Um, and then you kind of worked your your way up the, the traditional kind of education hierarchy um, by the sounds of it. What's your, you know, I suppose as you were getting into leadership and working your way up and, and to where you are now, what would you describe your personal leadership style as being? I think it's been an evolution. And the reason I say that is because at this point, I've been an executive for over a decade. Mm -hmm. And I remember when I first stepped into the role, I I wasn't even 30 yet when I had my first C-level title. And there was definitely a lot of imposter syndrome that I was feeling because I was so young and I had a big title. I'm also somebody who is very confident and has a lot of moxie and in general doesn't tend to care that much what people think about me. Mm -hmm. Um, There's this sort of weird uh, duality that I had there. And um, a lot of it was trying to lead in the way that I thought I was supposed to lead, right? Um, Mm -hmm. Not always, you know, while I was confident enough to step into the role and just kind of trust that I would, I would learn how to be Mm -hmm. an executive um, and being fearless about my learning and, and the risks that kind of come with putting yourself in a brand new position when you've never been Mm -hmm. an executive before. But I also didn't quite know who I was as a leader. And it was through a series of experiences that I came into my own. So one of those experiences was at the first ed tech company where I was a co-founder and that was my first opportunity truly transitioning out of the traditional K-12 education landscape into a business environment. And I was chief academic officer and chief product officer. And yet I was not the CEO. And Mm. I learned in that instance that the CEO really sets the tone for the company. And um, there were a lot of things that were happening that, in my opinion, weren't healthy culture-wise. And I saw the ways in which that can erode psychological safety, and then impact the ways in which staff show up and how productive they are and our ability to achieve what it is as a company that we're trying to do. And yet I couldn't change it because I wasn't the one in charge. Mm. And so in many ways, I learned from watching and observing and experiencing I learned how not to lead. Then, um, right after the birth of my daughter, I was diagnosed with breast cancer and I went through uh, four months of really grueling treatment that included um, a double mastectomy, three months of chemotherapy, five years after that of really aggressive, you know, drugs meant to keep me cancer free. Mm -hmm. And when you go through an experience like cancer, it can't not change you. Mm -hmm. And in my case, I've always been a very empathetic person, but that experience put my sense of empathy, like, on steroids to the point Mm. where like, (laughs) sometimes I feel like my sense of empathy is like crippling. Um, Mm. and, uh, and so I, 
I had this one experience of, you know, I, go, I survived cancer. I'm very, very lucky. And um, I realized that I needed to move on to a different company because, uh, you know, I had been at light sale for five years. It was time for the next thing. I was making a mm -hmm. lot of changes in my life as a result of this cancer experience. Mm -hmm. And I was interviewing for other jobs. And let me tell you, when you are fresh out of chemotherapy, it is not an ideal time to interview for jobs. <laughs> um, especially as a woman, right? I mean, like mm. I was, I was bald and I mm. looked very sickly still, although inside I was stronger than I had ever been in my life, having gone through mm. that experience. But I interviewed for this one job and the CEO looked at me and she said, I know that if I hire you, I am not going to have you for very long because as soon as you get your mojo back, you are going to be on to the next thing, but I will take you for the time that I can have you. Hmm. And I will never forget her kindness hmm. or her ability to look past this woman that I was sitting in front of her fresh out of chemotherapy and her belief in me and, and recognition that I was in a place in my life where I needed someone to believe in me. Mm -hmm. Um, and that really stuck with me on top of this experience of, of just like being a cancer survivor and getting in touch with my own humanity and the humanity of others in a way that I had never, ever experienced before because of just this like outpouring of love and support. And as I, um, as predicted, did get my mojo back and I joined Open Up Resources as one of the, you know, first employees and within a year and a half, became CEO of Open Up Resources. So um, basically within about um, two and a half years of finishing chemo, I was a CEO. Nice. And though I had not yet had lots of really great examples of leadership, I knew not what to do. And on the, on the other side, I also just had this like sense of humanity and kindness and gratitude and empathy. And I decided at that point that I wanted to bring all of that into my leadership mm -hmm. and that I was just going to unapologetically, authentically lead and be myself and just bring my whole self to work. And my whole self is somebody who I am tough as nails insofar as how committed I am to this work and the high expectations I have for myself and my staff. Mm -hmm. And I am also kind and I say, thank you. And I am also human. And there are moments when I cry in front of my staff because we're telling a student impact story, or I'm talking about, you know, a personal story in my life that evokes emotion for me. And like, mm -hmm. it is okay. I've learned to bring my whole self to work. And what that does is it creates the safety for everybody else I work with to mm. also bring their whole selves. Wow. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm blown away by that. That's uh, that's a, a, a beautiful sort of uh, exposition um, of your, of your leadership style and how it's, uh, how it's evolved. Um, um, bringing, you know, drawing on your, you know your personal um difficult circumstances and and so on um so i i i think i'm hearing then that really you are uh you're you're very you're very authentic uh you are you're kind and compassionate um you know i um you know equally you know there's there's a job to be done and you know things things need to be done but you you just do it in a very um very kind of kind and inclusive and compassionate way that's your I, 
I have a fun story to tell you. So my daughter, Penelope, she's eight and she's watched me build now two different, two different companies. And Mm -hmm. the, the difference though, with this most recent one ignite reading is that she's been a little bit older. Um, I started incubating ignite about two years ago. And so she's really watched this from the outset, which is such a cool experience for, you know, a young girl to watch her mm-hmm. mom do this. Yeah, yeah. And uh she eavesdrops on me a lot, not necessarily <laughs> because she's trying to, but because I am working all the time while also being a mom. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm driving her to theater camp and I'm doing calls while we're driving. She hears everything. Yeah. And last summer there was an employee that I needed to terminate. And she and I we're talking at dinner the night before about our roses and thorns. And uh, I shared that my thorn was that I was going to need to terminate someone the next day. And I was feeling a little bit anxious about it. And she said, oh, you're going to fire her? And I was like, yes. And she said, well, why? And I said, well, I'm not going to disclose that to you because that's confidential. And uh, she was really intrigued by this idea of me terminating someone, right? I mean, if you think about it, little kids love to see other little kids get in trouble. So there was a little bit of that. <laughs> and the next morning, I told her, I said, I'm going into the dining room. I'm doing this Zoom call. Do not come in there while I'm doing this. And she stood in the kitchen and listened to the you know, whole 15-minute conversation and when I got off the Zoom and walked into the kitchen and, and saw her standing there, she looked at me and she said, you were so nice when you did that. And I think in her mind, based on either books or shows she's seen, mm. you know, the idea of terminating someone or in her words, firing them is like a mm. big traumatic thing, right? Yeah. And yet the way in which I had led the conversation was from a place of kindness and humanity and acknowledging Mm -hmm. the situation wasn't working and that I wanted this employee to be able to be maximally, um, you know, successful in a role. And this wasn't it. And whatever Mm -hmm. I could do to help them find something else, I would be happy to. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, from a personal standpoint, cared about them greatly, yet professionally it wasn't working. And I have a Mm. responsibility to ensure that we achieve our mission. Mm. And I thought it was such a powerful experience and I wasn't even trying to model this, but it was such a powerful experience for Penelope to observe that Mm. you can say and do hard things, arguably things that may even make somebody else angry or Mm. sad, and yet you can still be kind about it and a human. Mm. About it. Yeah. <laughs> I love that story. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you for sharing that. Yeah. Yeah. Kid, they don't, they, they don't miss anything, do they? They, they, <laughs> no, they don't. I mean, this girl is so wise. I swear. I'm also a better leader because of her. I mean, becoming mm. a parent unlocked this whole other side of of my own empathy and humanity and Mm -hmm. what it means to be a woman and a working mom right Mm -hmm. it's it's, it is a lot to be a working mom yeah yeah and uh there was this moment um it was a little over a year ago and I was CEO of open up resources I was also incubating ignite reading within open up resources and it you know ignite reading was taking on a life of its own and scaling mm. quickly and trying to do both of those things was so hard and it was a saturday and I was making her grilled cheese and I was so stressed out and just like spread very very thin in my way of emoting when I'm overwhelmed is to just like ride my Peloton and cry, like, and and maybe do both of those things at the same time <laughs> and, um, and then pick myself back up and go conquer the world. But anyway, in this moment, I was not riding my Peloton. I was making her grilled cheese and crying. <laughs> and she looks at me from across the kitchen. She's just kind of watching her mom on the verge of a nervous breakdown. And she's like, mama, the problem is, 
you have two jobs and you should really just have one job and it should be teaching as many kids as possible to learn to read. Mm -hmm. And I was like, yes, you are right. And I, and I think I needed somebody to give me permission mm. to just do one thing and mm. make a very hard decision to leave Open Up Resources, a company that I had scaled and that I loved so much and where I was very attached to all the people mm. I worked with to take the risk and step out and be in the unknown, right? Mm. Building a brand new company and back in the seat of entrepreneur. And so the mm. following I went to my board of directors and I said, I can't keep doing both things. Let's put a plan in place for me to groom my successor. And at the end of the year, leave open up. And um, in the meantime, let's make plans to spin um, Ignite Reading out because that is the thing I want to go and build and lead. So. Mm, they are very, very wise. That's uh, you've got a great, uh, a great sense check and second opinion there, haven't you? You're very, very lucky. Really but lucky. you know, she's <laughs> she's learned she's learned from the best. She's learned from her mama. Um, <laughs> thank you for sharing all these stories. I, I could I could listen to these all day. Um, well, I have more, but some of them are kind of appropriate based on some of the <laughs> other things she says to me. <laughs> 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 oh gosh yeah probably yeah <laughs> i understand i have i have, I have a six and a nine-year-old girl, uh, girls as well so um okay so um i mean i uh the next question was about your your journey to leadership but i think um i think you've kind of explained that um so i think i'll i'll move on to the the next one which was you know through this this journey um were there any people who were senior to you that you that you look, looked up to, um, female or male, that kind of that that helped you um, helped you rise? There was the woman that I mentioned who yeah. took a chance on me at yeah. a time in my life when very few people were willing to take a chance yeah. on me because of how I looked. Yeah. Um, I I didn't look like I look right now and it was such an interesting experience to go from you know being healthy and having all my hair and having some weight on my body to then being um you know extremely thin from chemo and mm. bald and like mm. I look sickly right because chemotherapy <laughs> three months of it all of that poison in your body, you, you can't mm. not look sickly, even yeah. when you're arguably the healthiest you've ever been because yeah. you can't. Of course. Yeah. Uh, I would say that it is in my, my current role as CEO and co-founder of Ignite Reading that I am getting the best leadership development I've ever had. And that's because my co-founder, uh, a gentleman named Evan Marwell, he and I were introduced over two years ago by a mutual board member. I was running the nonprofit Open Up Resources, and he um, was running, is still running, a nonprofit called Education Superhighway. And when we met, it was, it was, like kismet because we just hit it off immediately in our first, you know, virtual coffee and started talking about the literacy crisis in our country and what we could do about it. And, and we envisioned Ignite in that first conversation and then immediately mm -hmm. got to work uh, building it together. Mm -hmm. And he is someone, he's about 16 years older than me. Um, he has built and scaled several successful businesses prior to then becoming CEO and founder of Education Superhighway, which in the United States is one of the most successful education nonprofits of all time. He, in his work, 
was the one to ultimately ensure that all schools in our country had broadband. And it is because of his nonprofit's work that, you know, a program like Ignite Reading that leverages Wi-Fi and kids logging on to virtually meet one-on-one with a highly trained reading teacher Mm. and even exist. And he is one of the most brilliant business people I've ever had the privilege of working with. I mean, the amount of things I have learned from him Mm. around how to be an excellent CEO. I also um, told him one time after we'd done like a Saturday afternoon of three hours of strategic planning, I like looked at him across the table and I was like, I figured it out. And he's like, what, what did you figure out? I was like, I figured out why I love working with you so much. And he was like, what? And I was like, you work like a woman. And, um, what I meant (laughs) by that was like, in, in my experience, I had never worked with a man who was just like, so detail oriented in the way that he was and, you know, kept a notebook with like meticulous notes in the same way I did. And, you know, had a separate, you know, to-do list going and, and Mm. like his work ethic and and everything. I was just like, this is awesome. Um, Mm. And I was so not used to it. And Mm. then he's also someone who I, I, joke, but I'm serious when I say he's the first person I've ever met who works harder than I do. Mm. (laughs) And, uh, and so it's just like the two of us together are, um, it's a little bit terrifying, but also exhilarating. And Mm. the things that I've learned from him, he's co-founder and executive chairman, and he's just been an incredible mentor and coach. And one of the things I most appreciate about him is there is a lot that I know about how to lead and how to build a successful business in K-12 education. And there is also still a lot that I am learning and Mm. that I am hungry to learn so that I can keep leveling up. And there are some people who, when you don't know something and they have to tell you, they make you feel stupid in the way that they tell you. And I've experienced that particularly from men who are older than me. and. With my co-founder, Evan, he never does that. Hmm. He takes these opportunities when I don't know something to teach me and or to help me figure out like what other support I need so that I Hmm. can be the best possible CEO. And that is such a refreshing feeling. And I can see all the ways that I'm becoming a better leader because of that. I'm also very lucky because our lead investor we're a public benefit corporation, meaning that all of our investors are impact focused and our mission trumps their return on investment. Mm. And our lead investor is a gentleman named Matt Greenfield from Rethink Capital. And I feel so lucky that I get to reach out to him and talk to him anytime I need a thought partnership, be it something strategic related to our business that I want to pick his brain about or even just being able to talk to somebody about how hard it is to be a CEO. And Mm. in my case, to be a CEO and also um, a single mom and um, a cancer survivor and all of these other things that are part of me Mm. that have to be nurtured and cared for while also doing this really demanding job. And so Uh, These two men in my life are phenomenal leaders who I really look up to and I've learned a lot Mm. from. And then I have, you know, the like celebrities that I'm obsessed with, right? I I love Michelle Obama. I read her book and there's a lot that I took away from that about Mm. how I lead as a woman. I'm also Mm. a huge Taylor Swift fan. (laughs) (laughs) And um, I'm I'm just in awe of her business savvy. And mm. also she is somebody, and so is Michelle Obama, who embodies this spirit of always taking the high road and you know, leading with kindness. And you can be mm. an effective leader mm. and a 
very successful business person while still being kind and human. Mm. Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, some great, uh, yeah, great mentors and, and role models there, you know, from the, uh, the, the female CEO who gave you that, uh, gave that opportunity when, when you were um, coming out of chemo to uh, your two kind of male um, colleagues now, and you know, not nice to, to hear about some good, strong, positive male leadership. Um and uh yeah and your um yeah your poster your <laughs> your 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 poster people and also poster boys poster girls whatever <laughs> poster women um <laughs> they are yeah i mean they they're incredible aren't they um yeah my um uh yeah my w- wife's a big fan of uh, michelle obama yeah uh, she's very authentic isn't she and uh, kind you know they go low, you go high, and all that that kind of stuff. Exactly. So yeah, yeah, Absolutely. really, really, really good. That's that's brilliant. Thank you so much for for sharing all that. I appreciate that. Um, take a um a, a slightly um slightly darker detour. Um, depends depends what what you're uh, what you're happy to to share. But um, I I I, I get the I get the idea that when you um worked for light sale there were some there were some challenges um as you say it didn't didn't sound like a particularly psychologically safe environment um you know you you, you may or may, may not be able to talk about any of that but but over the over the course of your career um have you had any you know kind of challenges in in that way on the base basis of your uh your gender or 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 any other reason that you've experienced that you've learned from that you can share how you navigated that with our listeners so that they can perhaps do the same if they face similar situations so i have definitely experienced discrimination I've also, and I'll talk a little more about that, but I've also experienced um, not so much recently because at this point I have been in the education space long enough that, you know, I have a reputation. Many people know of my work for a long time. um, I, especially when I first became a CEO, was often underestimated because mm. I was young and I was female and, mm. um, you know, attractive. And so I would enter a space and people would make assumptions based on the way I look or the fact that I really like sparkles and glitter. And I am kind of <laughs> unapologetic about wearing sparkles and glitter and girly girl outfits, but there were assumptions. <laughs> would be made that like I wasn't smart right if you think mm. about the film legally blonde it's a little yes bit yeah. and yeah. what I figured out though was that I kind of like that people underestimate me and <laughs> rather than be upset about it I've really embraced it and even you know, beyond how I look and how people make assumptions before they really know me or experience me. The kindness that I exude is also something that causes people to underestimate me. And I've found that because of that, it can be a little bit jarring when I am so kind and I am also delivering tough news or doing leaderly things. Right. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I talked about being tough as nails. And so that can be a little bit um, like jarring for people. Like, how are Mm -hmm. you so nice and you look the way you do. And yet like the things that you are saying, what? Mm -hmm. Um, mm. but again, I've, I've figured out how to like leverage those things as superpowers in, in mm. how I lead and, and how I work. And yet, uh, you know, prior to the whole me too movement, 
I, for years, years in lots of different roles that I held, experienced um, sexual harassment, right? Um, older males that were in positions of authority over me mm. saying a lot of really inappropriate things mm. and me not ever feeling like I had the ability to tell them to stop because mm. it could jeopardize mm. my career or, you know, my ambitions to yeah. do better within a particular organization. And so you know, it was deeply uncomfortable. And yet I would laugh and like, play along like it was okay, even though it was so not okay. Mm. And it was so refreshing for me when the whole Me Too movement happened, because it, it validated that so much of what I experienced wasn't okay, that it was happening mm. to a lot of women. Mm. And it gave me the courage to start to say to men who made inappropriate comments to me that that wasn't okay. Mm -hmm. um, and when I, you know, one of the CEOs that I worked for at one point in my career, um, during the Me Too movement, I was wearing a dress, we were at a conference, and uh, he made a comment about how nice my legs looked in that dress. And I said, you cannot say these things anymore. <laughs> you shouldn't have said them at all, but you cannot mm. say these things anymore. Mm. And I don't want you to talk to me that way. Mm. And he didn't stop. And uh, ultimately, it got to the point where I was so uncomfortable and I was so fed up and I was seeing it mm. happen to other women in the company. I was seeing mm. him do this to other women who were partners of our company and the ways that it was eroding relationships. It was damaging our reputation. It was getting in the way and distracting us from the work that we needed to do to mm. ultimately serve children. Mm. And I ultimately wrote a letter to the board and I detailed what my experience had been. And I said that I cared so much about the work that I was not going to leave. I was going to continue to do the work, but that I refused to engage with him anymore. Mm. Um, he shortly thereafter was no longer CEO. And, uh, you know, it was, it was interesting because what, actually led to me writing that letter was an episode where one of my staff members came to me in a one-on-one -on -one and he was really upset when we started the meeting and I said what's going on and he started telling me this story about how his daughter who was 11 at the time was being sexually harassed by boys in her class and I was so angry to hear this. And I was like, you need to go to the school leader. And if the school leader doesn't take this seriously, you need to go to the superintendent. And if they don't take it seriously, you need to do this, right? And I was like, all about protecting his child. Mm. And then that evening I was on my yoga mat, which is where I process a lot of things. And I was like, Jess, you are so good about worrying about and taking care of other people, particularly kids. But what about the fact that this is happening to you? Mm. Like, what do you have to lose standing up for yourself? And, and at this point in my life, I was also a cancer survivor. And so there's this like fearlessness that has mm. come from that experience because it's like, if I can survive cancer, I can do anything. Mm -hmm. Nothing is as awful as what that experience is. And so it was like, okay, it's, it's scary to think about standing up for myself and in standing up for myself, also standing up for other women that this is happening to, mm. but you know what? The worst thing that could possibly happen is that I might lose my job. Mm. And if that happens, I'll go find another job. I will be okay because it's not as bad as cancer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. 
<laughs> that's easy compared to cancer. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so I wrote the letter and, um, it all ended up working out. Mm. That's good to hear that. Um, that's yeah, that's a, a, hopefully, you know, if, uh, does anyone kind of listening to this who, um, kind of goes through this similar kind of thing, then, um, that gives, you know, gives them an, an idea of a, of a route to take. Um, but yeah, no, g- good that it worked out in, in your case. I mean, sometimes it doesn't, does it? I guess sometimes it's, um, you know, the whistleblower is the one who's, you know, kind of scuttled away, um, by the board, but, um, I'm, I'm, you know, really, really pleased with that, but you have this, um, um, unique perspective, don't you, of, uh, that, as you say, kind of makes you quite fearless. Um, but yeah, I mean, you put it into, you put it into that perspective. Um, you know, if you, if you, if you know, you're, you're good at what you do, then, you know, you'll get another position. Um, uh, you know, and so I guess a kind of self-confidence and, and self-worth comes into that. Um, but, you know, so, uh, so often, and I think you, you, you kind of mentioned it earlier, you know, we, are um, dependent on, you know, a position that we're in at the moment to kind of get a good reference from that, that job to advance to the next stage. And, um, certainly that's what kind of stops a lot of, um, trainee physicians from speaking up because you're only as good as your last reference in, in medicine um and and other professions i'm sure um but uh you know that's that's good it's good to hear thank you i mean lots to think about there <laughs> and 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 thank you for sharing that you know it's um it's not easy to kind of you know um relive those things but i'm sure there'll be some um listeners who'll benefit from your um from your insights um Okay, so let's let's um, let's move on to something a little lighter now. Um, <laughs> I I mean, you know, uh, it's 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 clear that you are a very um, a very kind and compassionate um, person to to work with and work for. Um, you know, it's some people are na- are naturally like that, or some people are kind of molded by their life experiences. Um, but do you have any advice for listeners on how they could kind of accentuate those, those traits that they may, may have of being, of being kind and strong or kind of how to, how to develop those, those traits? I think that there is a, a vulnerability that goes along with those traits at least in my case and that it can be hard for leaders or anyone in a in a position of power to feel okay being vulnerable yeah and what i have found is that i lead best when i am vulnerable and yes there are moments when it's uncomfortable and yet I, I can't not be who I am. And I, yeah. I just naturally operate from a place of vulnerability. I'm actually more comfortable when I am vulnerable than when I am trying to put up a, a facade and be tough. Yeah. Uh, and so I'm, I'm okay being in that space. And what I find is that by being in that space, it is embraced by staff. And that it then Mm -hmm. signals to them that it is okay for them to be vulnerable. And vulnerability can look like different things. It can look like me being in a meeting and saying, I don't know. I don't have the answer. I don't know what to do to solve this problem. What do you think? Or who should we talk to? How do we figure this out? So I'm not trying to be the smartest person in the room. I'm trying to make sure that we come to the most effective solution and I'm okay being vulnerable and saying, I don't know. I'm also okay saying, I'm sorry. I'm I'm okay owning mistakes when I make them because I'm human and part of taking risks and not knowing what we don't know because we're building a brand new company means that I'm being vulnerable and I'm letting everyone around me see that. And sometimes those mistakes warrant, 
you know, saying, I own this, I made this mistake. I thought this was the thing to do and it wasn't. And um, I'm sorry. And how do we do better? And that then enables everyone else to see what I'm modeling. And then Mm. they embrace that as well. And I think that creates really powerful culture. And so I guess my, all of this is a very loquacious way of saying that I think, (laughs) you know, giving oneself permission to be vulnerable, to show emotion is one of the best ways to be an effective leader, right? Um, Yeah. 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 No, it it sounds very much to me like your, uh, your strength uh, feeds from your vulnerability and your um, accountability, you owning stuff, um, accepting responsibility, but, you know, um, just being kind makes you, makes you stronger by, by the sounds of it, it it empowers you. So showing all of these weaknesses, being authentic is what makes you stronger, I think. Does Because at the same time, it's coupled with business acumen and and expertise and and they can see oh she's highly effective what what she does we are successful and you can be kind and gracious passionate and real at the same time yeah yeah i think that's great i I wish uh i wish every leader were like that I do. And I think that's really good learning. Really, really good learning for the listeners. Thank you. Um, yeah, really, really appreciate that. Um, we're coming towards the end. So um, fi- finally, in the kind of, you know, the the, the meaty part of the interview, if you like, um, what would be your take home leadership messages for the listeners, please? I think my biggest message is to unapologetically lead from your heart. Mm. That is something that has served me well Mm. throughout my career. And it is something that I am conscious of modeling for my daughter in hopes that she also becomes an empathic leader as she steps into her own someday. Yeah. That's just beautiful. You just summed summed it up absolutely, um, yeah, wonderfully there. Unapologetically lead from your heart. Yeah, I mean, that's it. That's 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 leadership in a. That's great leadership in a, in a nutshell. In a in a single statement. Thank you so much. That's a brilliant take home message. I think I think I, think I found my soundbite. Yeah, mic drop. You you may go now. That's fine. Your work here is done. <laughs> In fact, I'm 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 finishing the podcast now. There's no like the whole the whole show. There's there's nothing there's nothing more that uh, I can I can learn. And <laughs> that's wonderful. No, seriously, that is really wonderful. Um. All right. So, what are you currently working on that you're excited about and that you'd like to share with the listeners? So the company that I've been building, Ignite Reading, is going to be serving 10,000 students this upcoming fall. I am really, really excited about this. I mean, Mm. a year and a half ago, when we first started partnering with schools, we were in one school in my home community of Oakland, California. And so, Mm. you know, a year and a half later to be on a path this upcoming school year to serve 10,000 kids. I just feel like I am so lucky. I wake up every day with the privilege of doing work that is truly life-changing for children and working with this incredibly mission-driven team of super talented individuals and getting to then go in the field and and see our program in action and mm. and watch kids learning to read and hear from teachers about how amazing it is that they're gaining all of these skills in an individualized setting the social emotional learning impact it's having i am so lucky and i am 
fully focused on continuing to scale this company because this is a crisis in our country of illiteracy. And I believe we're onto something here with what we're building. And I want as quickly as possible for us to be teaching at least a million kids a day to learn to read. Wow. That's a, that's an amazing goal. Um, and, you know, from what I've, I've got to know about you, I, I, I would say that's in, entirely achievable um, by um, by you and your company. Um, yeah, no, that's uh, that's tremendous. Yeah, I I I just want to um, pick pick you up on something. Twice you said you were lucky. I don't think so. <laughs> you you are you are passionate about what you do. You are driven. Um, your intentions are pure and kind um you know you you have a you have an attitude of gratitude um you know you are um yeah i just i just think you're a wonderful leader a beautiful soul and um you know i think you are i think you're blessed with uh with the way things are going but i i i think there's way more to it than luck oh, um so anyway i am receiving those compliments <laughs> yeah take them yeah <laughs> good good fantastic well i wish i wish you well with that um you know um i i say uh, you know lofty aspiration but uh, uh eminently uh achievable i think um with you at the helm um you and um was it evan did you say your your co yeah your your co-ceo yeah for sure I love it. Um, okay, so if any of the listeners would like to reach out to you, um, what's the best way for them to do so, please? I would say the very best way is our website, ignite-reading.com. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. And I'm also on Twitter at Ms. M.S. Reed, R-E-I-D, Reads, R-E-A-D-S. And either okay. of those ways are great ways to reach out to me. Okay. Ms. Reed Reads was that? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Reed, my maiden name. Yeah. Is Reed. How yeah. perfect is that? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Lovely. I'll make sure those are in the in the show notes. Fantastic. Um. Well. Um. All that remains is to uh, say. Do you have any closing words that you'd like to share with the listeners before before you go and and carry on conquering the world? I'm so thankful, Adam, for this opportunity to share more about my story and especially the focus upon female leadership. And I'm really, really grateful to you for being an ally and spotlighting these stories of female empowerment. So thank you to you as well for the work that you're doing and for your leadership. Thank you. Thank you. My my pleasure. It's uh yeah, it's just yeah just something i have to i have to do um but uh you know you uh yeah just meet meeting and and um introducing you know formidable um people like yourself with such uh, fortitude and brilliance to the world is 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 the purpose of this show and it's uh, it's it's a wonderful thing so thank you for without without you and and my other guests coming on would be there would be nothing so um so yeah, so what once again, I'm so grateful to you for for coming on the show, sharing your wisdom and and just stellar advice with us, um, Jess. And um thank you to everyone who um listens. Um until the next episode in two weeks, all I all I need to say is is uh, I wish you all health, happiness, and inspiring leadership. Take care. Thank you so much for joining me and my guest on the Inspiring Women Leaders podcast today. I really hope you enjoyed listening to the episode as much as I enjoyed recording it. If you did, please download the show and leave it a rating and a review so that together we can share the amazing lessons we've learned from my guests with listeners far and wide and help as many aspiring leaders as possible. Most of my podcasts will also be uploaded to my YouTube channel, Dr. Adam, Physician Coach, so please check out my channel there and hopefully you'll find some videos on similar topics to watch and enjoy. Finally, I have some exciting new group coaching programs and a membership scheme in the pipeline. So please keep a regular eye on my website, 
www.dradamharrison.com. That's www.dradamharrison.com for updates. Thank you again for your time today, and please join me next time, two weeks from now, on Alternate Wednesdays, for another brilliant episode of Inspiring Women Leaders. <laughs>